All right. I definitely heard an audible click after. Yes, there are clicks. We are live. This is uh, our official interview. Uh, Mammoth Games Cast interview with uh, Ian Moss. Welcome back to the show, man. Hi, how's it going? Uh, this week, it's uh, myself and Johnny um, talking a little bit about a cool project that has just officially been announced. Uh, so um, you guys are about to get a ton more uh, on this, uh, you know, on this announcement. We're shoot, we're actually shooting this early, so we're like preemptively talking a little bit about this, which is fun. Yeah, it's really weird to know the future because when we say it has just been announced, we are lying to you. <laughs> yes, that's true. But by the time this comes out, it will have just officially been like spoken to the world on uh on this really cool uh project that uh kind of marries um you know two different like gaming realms which is fun um so of course we have uh ian on the show he uh has been on the show previously talking a little bit i believe about his time with uh working on uh news at 11 on you know how he got to uh, where he was at the time, which was working on Dulasaur Island. Uh, so, how was uh, you know how was all that you know getting your first you know few games um, out into the world? Uh, did that go like as expected, or were there a lot of uh, you know like wrenches thrown into the gears? Um, I like it <laughs> from 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 where I am now to where I was before. I can say that there's always wrenches being thrown in the gears, yes. and you just kind of have to go with whatever wrenches uh, you have. Um, and you, you just got to go with what you know. Whatever gears are moving, you just hop on those, right? right and just right. keep them moving, um, and then not necessarily worry about the ones that have the wrenches in them. Fair. If you really want to, you can kind of go back and try and pull them out, but they're in there. They're in there for good. That's not changing. That's, you just gotta keep going. Yeah, that's broke. Um, <laughs> so both of the both of the first games that I worked on were on Kickstarter, mm-hmm. um, which is always its own kind of ride. Like normally, Kickstarter goes for anywhere between like ten days and like a month. Um, and with the like the. Uh, News 11 Kickstarter went for I think 20 days, whereas the, the Dulasaur went for like 30 and like those extra like 10 days are just I don't know, <laughs> the longer a Kickstarter goes, the more insane uh, everything around you seems just like sweating bullets, just wondering you know how, <laughs> because I mean if, you know, our listeners are unaware of how Kickstarter works um you go in you see what the campaign it basically is running and then you choose the amount of involvement that you want within that basically the monetary value that you want to throw toward this and then that also dictates usually what you receive from it but that's not where it ends because for the people behind the scenes um it's watching the numbers kind of tick up to see if you're going to make the goal or um how close you are to the goal or how close you are to a stretch goal um and from what I've seen, the first few days are usually insane if your marketing's done right. You know, every you get a big surge there, mm-hmm. and then it's kind of a lull for people who are just kind of waiting to see where the goal ends up falling. And then you get another big surge kind of closer to the end. Um, does that seem pretty accurate? Yeah. So, like, the, the first day or two really kind of sets your pace on Kickstarter usually because it's, it's either... Uh, a lot of people are going to continually find out about this and keep 
pledging or you hit your goal immediately or it's going to kind of be a struggle to hit your goal mm -hmm. which is kind of the case in news at 11 it would kind of struggle to hit that goal and i think it hit it like two days before the end so kind of that last 48 hours it finally actually did fund um it was a much smaller project but yeah. um whereas like the Dulasaur, which is a part of a bigger Dinosaur Island Kickstarter, which is kind of the game that it was based off of, mm -hmm. hit its funding goal in like a half hour and then continued to climb all the way up to like a half million dollars in the first day. That's insane. Um, so that pace was just like continued to like at the end of the, the campaign, it had raised like, I think 2.1 million, uh, which is was insane. That's insane. It was an insane ride yeah. for that one. That's but yeah, amazing. so like behind the scenes, you're right. There's like this, like, okay, are we going to hit this goal today? If we're, you know, because stretch goals are these things where it's like, if you get X dollar amount or X people back or whatever it is that the company has decided to put your, you know, additional content behind, um, it's like, okay, well, I think we might hit this today. So do we have another thing? What's the next thing we have lined up? We have to get ready for that one. And then with the Duelistar Island, it was like, some of the stretch goals were for my game. Some of the stretch goals were for the other games that were in that Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. And so I really had to be like, they're like, uh, well, we're running through these real fast. So we need more. Yes. <laughs> so it was like 11th hour. You have to make like new content for your game or kind of find new interesting ways to upgrade the content that people are already getting. Yeah, that's, yeah. Like you said, I think it was a good way of putting it. It is a ride. Yeah, is, I feel like that's got to be crazy when you have stretch goals that are there that you don't even think people are going to hit and then it's there and done and you're like oh, oh god what do we do next like what <laughs> other really weird crazy thing can we do it's it's mm -hmm. like imagine having this deadline at work and stressing about it but then when you get off work you uh still stress about it and then you go to sleep stressing about it and then you wake up and you're still <laughs> stressing about it dude i do not like i do not miss those cold sweat 3 a.m wake-ups like those were not fun <laughs> yes <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Um, but, uh, you know, at the same time, that's still pretty rewarding. You know, you get to see your ideas or, um, you know, depending on what portion of the game you actually are working on, you get to see all that, mm -hmm. you know, come forward and see people like it in real time. Like, pledge yeah. money to it in real time, which is awesome. Yeah, that's always fun. And then going through the comments on the Kickstarter and just seeing everyone that's, like, excited for this thing that you've made. Mm -hmm. And it's just way more people than you would ever have imagined. You know what I mean? Like, I'd, like a number of people were like, this is going to be my like my go-to two-player game. I'm going to love this game. I can't wait for it. And I'm like, oh, that's – it was insane. Like, I tried to respond to all the comments, and it just – it's a it's a futile effort it's to, to try and keep up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, cool, but we're not here to talk about that. Um, we're here to talk about this new and exciting and, can I say, exciting again um, <laughs> thing. I don't know if you, you can you say it enough. Exactly. Um, this new thing that you're working on. Uh, I, I'm, I'm actually a little unsure on how to unveil this. Um, I, I think... I think I just letting you talk about it would be maybe the better way to go about it. I don't know. Do you, do you think that that's fair? I sure. I mean, all right. Yeah, I, I definitely can't reveal. I have like been anxious <laughs> since I found out what we were going to be talking about, and I have like goosebumps and chills going on. So this is this is all you. Yeah. So um, 
let's just jump into it. Um, what are you working on? So as the, the people who are listening to this may have seen by now, right, if you're coming from uh, an announcement, uh, the world of Bunkers and Badasses is now going to be its own tabletop RPG that uh, I designed. Hell yeah! That's awesome. <laughs> um, oh man, just hearing that said out loud is so crazy this to me. is like this is the first time i've been able to talk about it like <laughs> Let, let's let's i i do want to just take a moment um and before we jump into what this is because we're going we're going to break it down we'll talk about everything that you're allowed to talk about you know um and i i want to point out uh out of high school we were looking at borderlands you and i mm-hmm. and we were super excited for this game, and we played a lot of that game together, and um, did. loved everything about it. And then, you know, just thinking about it, you know, a few years down the road, like into what this would be your third thing that you've worked on, right? Um, so this is technically the fifth game that's oh. going to be released with, like, with my name on it. Right, right. So the first one was News at Eleven. Then there was Dulasaur. And then I also helped with the expansion to Dinosaur Island, which was called Totally Liquid, which was part of that same Kickstarter. Right. Um, and, and then recently this year, or at the beginning of this year, there was Wonderland's War, yes. which was on Kickstarter. Yep. Um, um, that's the one that I, I, I'm so excited for Bunkers and Badasses. I just, I went right over. <laughs> the money's already spent. I've already, <laughs> I've, I can't take that back. That's that's me future, knowing what I'm going to be interested in in the future. Um, right. But, uh, yeah, it's just insane to think about us sitting there playing Borderlands and then later they come to you to say, hey, we need you to help design and make bunkers and badasses, which is something we learned right. about. What year would that even be? 2012-ish? Uh, yes, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So this is something that has been talked about in the Borderlands universe. Um, there was a, a DLC um, mm-hmm. that was also wrapped completely around this involving Tiny Tina. Um, and here we are, like an official tabletop for Bunkers and Badasses. Borderlands. Yeah. I, like, I feel like I've been accidentally preparing for this for, like, ten years. Yes. <laughs> yes, you have. <laughs> um, so, uh, what what is it? Uh, first of all, for someone who might not even know what um, Bunkers and Badasses is, haven't heard, you know, the references within the Borderlands universe, mm-hmm. what's what what are we looking at here? So in Borderlands 2, the fourth DLC, story DLC, was called Tiny Tina's Assault on Dragon's Keep. Mm-hmm. And it saw the players being thrust into the world of... Tina's go-to RPG called Bunkers and Badasses. Um, the whole story takes place as Tina is BMing, uh, which is called the Bunker Master, uh, BM for short, uh, a, a game featuring the uh, the original Borderlands class characters as the players and the Borderlands 2 characters as like the characters they are playing. Um, 
So Brick is the siren and he is the prettiest. Uh, <laughs> naturally. <laughs> which is one of the things in that, yeah, naturally. Um, and so, yeah, so the, the whole story takes place in this world where Tina can kind of mess with things oh. and change elements of a traditional uh, role-playing system to kind of meet her needs. Danger. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Keep going. So, so in the DLC, they are going to fight uh, this villain known as the Handsome Sorcerer, which if you had played Borderlands 2, the main villain was called Handsome Jack. So this is Tina's version of Handsome Jack that the players go up against. And they fight dragons and orcs, and they uh, encounter dwarves and have all of this sort of fantasy fun uh, wrapped up in this DLC. Mm-hmm. And like ever since then, like ever since 2012, people have been like wanting this to be a real thing that they could play. Yeah. Uh, some people even went so far as to like make hacks for their like D and D 3.5, which was the the edition that was out at that time. There wasn't fifth edition yet. Yeah. So there are some people have made their own like B and B hacks for three third to 3.5 edition. Sure. Uh, but this game that I designed is its own system. It's not based on any of the other RPGs that you may have heard of uh, with, you know, X and X sort of names. <laughs> yes. Um, and more so, this is official. Yes. A hundred percent. Yep. We work directly with uh, Gearbox and, uh, it is being published by Nerdvana Game Studios, who previously did the Tiny Tina's uh, Robot Tea Party, mm-hmm. uh, which was a card game in which you were trying to create your own little clap traps. Um, and it was a, definitely a much smaller production, but uh, they had made that game previously, and then the opportunity arised for this game for them because they had already partnered with Gearbox previously. And it's also being uh, kind of co-released with Leader Games, who has done some like very big hits in the uh, in the world of board games, and this would be their first like RPG that they've ever kind of worked on. Besides, I guess there was a Root RPG, which is based on their game Root, uh, but that was handled by a separate company. So this is kind of a it's a first for both both companies, mm-hmm. and it's been an amazing time working on this project. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so, what? Sitting down, let's say you have the you have five people. Um, how does this play out? What, like, where do you start? Can you so talk about one that? player will uh, be the bunker master, mm-hmm. and their job is to kind of facilitate fun for everyone involved. Right? Sure. They are in control of the world. They are in control of all of the creatures and people and things that happen in the world. And everyone who's not the BM is going to be a vault hunter. So they're going to be playing as a character and have their own character sheet, which will have information about their classes, their archetype, all the stuff that they need for their stuff. And they kind of drive what happens in the story as the BM uh, guides them through their decisions and kind of makes rulings on how things go. And like, you can always attempt to do something. That doesn't mean you're going to be successful. (laughs) kind of stuff right so um you know from that standpoint what characters are we looking at is that something we can discuss here or 
Yeah, um, so the classes that you will have, there are nine classes total. Um, and they are all of the classes, excuse me, uh, as you know them from Borderlands 1 and 2. Okay. So you have your, your soldier, your siren, uh, berserker, hunter. You have your gunzerker, you have your commando, you have your other siren. Uh, those are the same class, but they have their own... There's a decision to be made. Like, if you choose to be a siren, there are two different siren types you can be. Uh, so it's nine classes, but technically it kind of operates like there's ten. Okay. Uh, and also included are the two extra classes uh, from Borderlands 2. So you can be a Macromancer or a Psycho in addition to That's normal awesome. classes. That's yes. Awesome. Um, so uh, it gives players plenty of opportunity to figure out you know, what direction they want to go. Um, I assume, since this is a tabletop, uh, you know, a tabletop game, um, players of course going to get to make uh, like ample decision on you know what they want to do within uh, you know within the world um, like if we take a look and break down something like a siren um, are they going to have to choose from different abilities that they have and leave others behind when they start like you'd imagine um, st- standard so- with tabletop yeah, when you're when you're making a character, you get to make choices about like your archetype, and we have four different archetypes. Any class can be any archetype. Uh, they are dead eye, which is all about you know making the shot, you know always always never missing, pretty much. Uh, we have elemental, which is plays on the elements that are available in the world of Pandora. Molly one, uh, of course, of course. Yep, <laughs> in enforcer. Uh, which is all about getting up in your enemy's face. So any class can do that, no matter what. But there are some classes that obviously a little bit get a, get a couple more benefits out of it than others. Mm-hmm. Um, and guardian, which guardians are all about protection. So they will, you know, they could stand in front uh, so that they get hit and others don't, or they have a lot of things that can help allies from a distance. Nice. Okay. Um, so in addition to having an archetype and your class, so you have those two decisions. There's also like backgrounds for your character which have kind of mechanical implications and each class has their own specific skill tree uh which is something that was very important to me when i was designing the game Mm -hmm. uh because we i love the skill trees in borderlands and i wanted to try and take that and keep as much of that you know detail and decision points that i could and when i ported it over Uh, and I feel like the final version of the skill trees are very close to if you've ever played a Borderlands game, you'll be right at home with the decisions that you get to make about on your skill tree. Beautiful. So, yeah, I imagine you're saying skill tree. Each one has a skill tree. So I'm imagining going through and putting points on specific things, knowing that you have a like not an unlimited amount of points to place. So you kind of have to pick and choose. Is that about right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so the the leveling system works pretty much exactly like you would expect from in Borderlands. Like, every time you get a level, you always get a skill point. Um, and then the skills are planted into different tiers, and you have to unlock a certain number on tier 1 to unlock tier 2, and etc. going down. Um, but also there are skills that you can put more points into 
and then their effect is increased by the number of skill points that you have in each individual skill. So if you really want to specialize in something, you can drop three skill points in it, and it's the best version of that skill that you're going to have. Nice. Yeah, that's. this sounds uh, exactly like what I wanted. Yeah, it sounds <laughs> a lot less intimidating than, other, um, than some other tabletop fair as well. Yeah. Um, it, it sounds like something that even someone like me who hasn't sat down and done a tabletop in years... Uh, I, I wouldn't have any worries in approaching it. It, it. If I'm excited about the core content, it's it sounds like something I'm not going to have a problem getting into. Yeah, and that was that was very important to us because we realized that um, a lot of the audience for this game is going isn't just going to be people who've played. <coughs> excuse me. Uh, RPGs before there will be people that just love Borderlands and want to experience Borderlands in a new way. Uh, so we built it so that it's very easy to onboard uh, people into the into the game, which is why uh, our first adventure that's in the actual book itself is designed as kind of like a tutorial adventure where it both teaches the, the bunker master how to run the game and how to be spontaneous and all of those things. And it also teaches the player how their characters work and what they can do in the game. Um, yeah, that was that was literally my next question. Uh, you know, what 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 direction um, are you going to need to take? Like, let's say a, as a BM, um, what are you going to have to do to pre-prep so you can ready this for players? So, if you are getting like the boxed edition of this game, which is um, kind of the deluxe version that we are offering. All you have to do is kind of take out the stuff, hand the characters their character sheets, mm -hmm. and give them their weapon cards that they would start with, set up your little BM screen, and open the book to whatever page the uh, first adventure starts on, and you should be good to go. Nice. That That's um, something that's going to be very different from other things, I think, in the same field. Um, mm -hmm. This feels very user-friendly that you can sit down, like, even as someone who's never ran their own game, I could be comfortable in sitting down and running my own game. Yeah, yep. yeah, that was definitely the dream. That was that was, that was was what we wanted. Beautiful. Because, again, like, some of these people would have never played an RPG before, so how do you, do you just expect them to read all, like, you know, the, the person running the game is always, like, expected to have read the entire rule book, right? Right. And sometimes that's a very large mm -hmm. ask. It can, like, keep people from playing. So this is very much, like, you could decide in the middle of a day that you wanted to try this out and just start it. You know, you could just go and in three hours you'll have played through the whole thing. That's that's really that's really cool. And then um, <clears throat> beyond that, is is the is the BM just kind of responsible for, you know, beyond the tutorial, hey, use your imagination. What do you want to do? And then it's kind of gets into that standard territory, right? Um yeah, yeah. So after you finish the, like the tutorial campaign, we have a an entire module campaign, oh. uh, which is available, which is a two parter. The first part takes you through the entire story of Assault on Dragon's Keep. <laughs> okay. Uh. So you'll actually be able to play through the Assault on Dragon's Keep storyline with your characters. That's fantastic. With our own fun twists, kind of sprinkled in. Okay. Okay. Um, can you say anything about the other? Um, I will say Tina doesn't want the party to end, <laughs> and so part two is an all-Tina adventure. Okay. 
Nice. So <clears throat> gives you that as you know someone who could be running or someone who could be looking to play a character. Um, it doesn't seem like there's going to be a shortage of content as you know you could start like you said midday I want to do this sit down and play and then you know wh however your guys's meetings go for this um, get through all of the standard content and then start working and building um, you know from your other ideas uh, making you you know making it creative like tabletop is you know I think when people kind of think about it initially um, I really really like that it's not um, as daunting as like you were saying people play tabletop they like the you know the, it's pretty much known that you have to uh, you know read the entire rule book you have to know uh, you know some of the monsters and how things work, it, and you have to have you have all to really invest in, in in a lot of it. So yeah, that's you, one thing that you're going to sit down, away from it. Yeah, you're going to sit down and spend you know five hours just getting pre-prepped, just to realize oh I want to make you know my own little adventure, and then that's going to be a whole big thing. Um, yeah, yeah. So we've in, we've included those tools. So for the BM who wants to make their own adventure and maybe like go through the tutorial and then just go off on their own from there. You have all of the tools at your disposal in the rule book in the, like the, the bunker like running the game section mm -hmm. to make your own stuff and make your own campaigns and set it on Pandora or anywhere, you know, make your own setting. Um, so we have all of those tools that are available. We wanted to make sure that like all kinds of bunker masters will find what they need in the book. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, I know we talked about prep work and and the the like, um, but that's usually just one half of the the issue some people have with wanting to get into a tabletop game and, and to play one. Um, the other one is how long they're going to be involved in the actual game itself. Um, are you able to to give a rough idea as to how long a like an estimate for you for what a normal playthrough would usually take someone? Um, so we kind of packed as much content as possible in the pages of the modules and stuff. So like the beginner module, the introductory module, uh, is probably about three hours of content if players want to go through and actually explore everything that we have available. Mm -hmm. um, but upon exploring everything, you'll get like a greater understanding of the rules and how all the systems work together. Um, so it's there to tutorialize, but it's also there to like if you want to explore, you'll just end up learning more things, you know? Um, whereas, like, the campaigns, I know we're going through, and there's, they are, w like, they're not just modules. They are campaigns. So there is, I would say, probably 20 to 30 hours, at, at the very least, Beautiful. of additional content in, in the box, in the game itself. That's awesome. Um, but it all flows very well. Like one of the things that I wanted to do was make sure that combat was fast and fun and not a burden for either the player or the BM to run. Because combat is a huge part of a looter shooter. And this is technically the first looter shooter RPG. Nice. Okay, so this is, yeah, this is all incredibly exciting. Um, so... I'm trying to think of where to go from here just because we talked about so much already and part of me just wants to, you know, experience this at this point. Do we mm -hmm. have any sort of rough estimate on when people would even get their hands on something like this? 
Um, so as soon as the as soon as it's announced, the pre-orders will start immediately. So if you've already seen the announcement, you've probably already seen a link to a website where you can pre-order the game, and that's going to be both just the book, mm-hmm. which the book comes with the rules and all three the mod the first play module and also both of the campaigns. Um, whereas the boxed edition comes with more things like it, weapon cards that are already pre-made and a BM screen and I believe uh, miniatures of the different uh, classes. Everything you need. So yeah, yeah, it's it's literally everything you need. Um, so as soon as it's live the the pre-orders can start rolling in and then i believe uh four to six weeks after taking you know uh of pre-orders they're going to print and it should be i believe q1 2021 is when it should be in people's hands wow that's actually really quick and that's a rough estimate because there's a lot go you know sure a lot going on in the world yeah. I'll take it though because that sure. already gives me something to look forward to getting out of 2020. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so it sounds like they'll have like an everything you need versus an everything you would want. Like, because I'm gonna want absolutely everything. Um, mm-hmm. And it's gonna look amazing just setting up in my game room. Um, I'm super excited to actually see everything. Um, I feel like we're all really excited to see everything get into people's hands at this point. Mm-hmm. So, so Nirvana, Nirvana knew that there was going to be collectors, right? There's going to be people who just want everything Borderlands associated, um, and so their goal for like the boxed edition was everything that a collector would want. My goal for the boxed edition was making the collectors open it up and set it on the table and start playing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, all that sounds awesome. I feel like a lot of the stuff that we've talked about, of course. Um, requires you to you know sit down across the table from people and play uh do we have other options for people who live you know across the country that want to play with their friends um so i've been running a lot of games with the playtesting and stuff as we've been going along with uh roll 20 or online Mm -hmm. and as long as everyone like i've even done ones where we just didn't have roll 20 where there was just you know over video chat or whatever as long as everyone had their own <coughs> excuse me uh character sheets and their own skill trees printed off and then their own weapon cards um okay and so yeah there's a lot of ways you could you could play it digitally um nice. we don't have like an official version digital version yet mm-hmm. um but i do think at some point the introductory uh the introductory adventure will be available for like as a as its own download uh nice it's kind of like a preview yeah yeah that would be great you know um as like i live much further away from a lot of the other people i even do the podcast with who i would you know generally be playing tabletop stuff with over something like roll 20 mm-hmm. so yeah that integration would be uh would be awesome um doesn't change my excitement level of being able to play this with uh, <laughs> my friends here as well you know, basically uh, strong arming them into <laughs> into coming over and, and, and playing some of this stuff. Um, right. Yeah. So that's awesome. The last thing that I kind of want to talk about um, is uh, how. Oh, where did this even come from? <laughs> I okay. Yeah. The backstory. Is, that's a for big this. one because this can't just like happen overnight. This is this this has got to be like a 
a thing that was racked in your brain for a while, or in someone's brain for a while before it actually triggered. I, I, I have to mention this, just because I was going through, like, actually my mom was going through old photos. And she found this photo of us when we were, like, eight. And I was like, I have known this guy for so long. Yeah. And I'm still, when I think about it, I go, how? Like how how in how did he manage to somehow like like just go? <laughs> I, like I yeah no I I remember sitting in your room and like playing the original Borderlands like you me and Jesse but it was still only like you could do two player split screen so one of us would always just like hop out and hop in yeah uh, just so we could like keep playing the game for like until the sun came up really like there Literally. was no sleep. Yeah. Um, and so I had. So, in addition to the board game stuff that I've worked on, I have done a few modules or just writing prompts for uh, various RPGs that have come out. So, uh, John Gilmore, who I work with quite a lot, mm-hmm. he's part of the Dinosaur Island, and we kind of share an office. Um, he had made an RPG called Kids on Bikes. Yes, and Kids on Bikes is very Stranger Things in- inspired, very much inspired by like E.T., Stranger Things, all of those like '80s uh, kind of horror, but with kids kind of uh, yeah games or you know kind of movies, TV shows, that sort of thing. Um, and so the the base book for that had come out, and they had started reaching out to people to work on adventure modules. Um, and John and the other co-creator, Doug Lewandowski, reached out to me and were like, hey, do you want to write a module? And I was like, hell yes, I do. Um, so I, I wrote a module for that one that was called like Storm in the Castle. And it was kind of loosely based on my time when I lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma, or just like outside Tulsa, Oklahoma. Because the whole premise of Kids on Bikes was like these big adventures in small towns but my module was kind of based on the fact that like living on the outskirts of a big town feels just like living in a small town because you have like these very small communities that you interact with. Yeah. Like boroughs um, and stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> and yeah. so I'd written that module for that. Apparently that, uh, that book, which is called strange adventures volume two, cause the first one was called strange adventures volume one of modules that they had made. That one went on to win an any this year, which is really awesome. Uh, nice. I don't think it was because of mine. I think it was just because everyone involved was awesome. Uh, but you could say. Yeah, like, I will take a little bit of credit. <laughs> <laughs> take, take your um, wins, man. You got to take your wins. <laughs> yeah. So the next thing that they had worked on was called uh, Teens in Space, which is kind of a spiritual sequel. And it was all about, you know, exploring the cosmos and basically not, not necessarily being teenagers, but acting like teenagers in space. So their 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 main example was like Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. They're not teenagers, but they all act like teenagers. Yes. <laughs> um, so that sort of thing. And for that one, they didn't have adventure modules. They had species of uh, alien species that you could that they were going to have, and they had people write specific ones up. So I made one for that one, which was kind of based on like uh, they're like these like beings that are like immortal and like live forever uh used to be worshipped as gods but now they're just kind of hunted in the galaxy because they're a really good fuel source someone found out um 
so I made a species for them for that one. So I've, I've been I've been writing some very very small RPG type things for a while, mm-hmm. and then one of my uh, one of my longtime friends, uh, Marshall Britt, who now works at Leader, we had talked about wanting to uh, gamify business cards, which is very much like. Because uh, at one point he asked me, hey, do you have a business card? And I was like, no, I want to make new business cards, but I want to gamify them at some point before I do. Because business cards, like in the board game industry, at least, you know, before everything going on in the world now, were like this weird thing that you would always just end up with like 30 of them after every convention. And after you like put in their information or whatever, they're just kind of useless. Yeah. I didn't, and I never, never liked that. So I wanted to do something with them to make them so you could use business cards, or you actually want business cards for the first time in your life. Um, so we started working on this thing called the HRPG, or the Human Resources RPG, <laughs> in which you generate dungeons and creatures and scenarios using the information that's on a business card. So like every business card represents like a different dungeon. Uh, and so because I had worked with him, when Leader Games got the opportunity to work with Gearbox and they had talked about an RPG, Marshall was like, hey, I know a person that's working on an RPG. I think he's great. I'll, I'll talk to Ian. <laughs> wow. And so he came up to me at a, uh, at a convention. He asked, um, like, hey, do you want to work on, uh, work on this thing, perhaps? You'll have to sign an NDA before I can tell you about it. And I was like, okay. And I signed an NDA. And he's like, it's this. And I was like, yes, please. <laughs> yeah, was that so, really how it went? Was that really the, the first two words that came out of your mouth? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's, I mean, it's just just complete random. You know, it's so much right. randomness that, and like, this convention that you're talking about is very specific. I mean, it wasn't like you went to Comic-Con, right? It was... Right. Yeah, it, it was... Um, I believe you were saying it was the... Uh, it was a Borderlands event, right? Specifically. No, no. So this was this was at Origins, which is in oh. Columbus. So it was just a um, bigger event that... Okay. Yeah, yeah it was just wow. a bigger event. And then once we started talking about it and actually like you know getting ideas around then we got invited to go to the borderlands 3 launch party which was in uh texas Mm -hmm. and so we went to that and uh that was the thing i had posted about like hey i'm at this thing and then people were like why and i'm like oh i got invited uh yeah yeah, (laughs) really the reason was is because it was went we went to that on i think the saturday and then uh, we showed them our ideas on like that Sunday, and like basically got the project greenlit. Wow. Um, yeah. So it was like a, hey, this is a really fun thing. Followed by, oh no, oh I have to show I- my ideas to you know everyone at Gearbox and Nirvana and everything. Uh, so that was like my first public showing of that game to like a pitch, pretty much. Yeah, it was the pitch. Yeah, I, I pitched it that same weekend. So it was like, and it was two highlights, like right after the other, right? Like being at a launch party for one of my favorite game series, and then kind of the very next day, showing my game 
based on that in my favorite one of my favorite game series to the people who make that game series (laughs) (laughs) oh man it is so yeah it's just so off the wall like thinking about it as like an objective outsider i just i think about it sometimes and i just like (laughs) kind of shake my head a little bit because i'm just like like that whole weekend yeah, that whole weekend, Marshall and I were just like, "How is this our life? How are we here? Right? How did how did this happen?" That's awesome. That is awesome. Um, but yeah, that's the big announcement. I, I'm always happy to have you know my good friend Ian on the show. So thank you for joining again um, and talking. Yeah, about no, this. I I obviously reached out because I was like, "This is this is perfect. Like this is like the merging of our two worlds for like the first time ever." Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's going to be more content to come uh, surrounding bunkers and badasses. So definitely stay tuned uh, to us here and ingest all of this information that you can find about it. Um, PAX West is going to be, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot there. Um, so, uh, you know, dig in and find out as much as you can about this, uh, about this and, you know, when you can officially get your hands on it. Um, do you have any last-minute things that you want to shell out there, plug yourself or anything like that? Uh, I'm on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, I live stream twice a week on Infectious Play Publishing, mm-hmm. which you can find on Facebook. We live stream on Facebook. Uh, if you find us there, if it's after the announcement, I probably will not be able to shut up about this. Yeah. So, <laughs> you <laughs> so if you find us there, that's you could probably also glean some information, more information about the project there, because uh, I will just be talking about it nonstop forever now. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Well, uh, you know, thank you guys for listening. As always, um, there is one, a 100% chance that there will be an MGI, like, let's play of this, um, you know, after this game comes out. Um, so we'll have a little bit of time. We'll talk about it from time to time. And, um, yeah, uh, I, I'm very excited to get my hands on this. Um, Johnny, you have any last-minute things you want to ask or... Uh, I mean, honestly, we've already been hit with so much stuff that I wasn't ready for. Hearing <laughs> how many classes we're going to have from the get-go and like how much possibility is there is insane to me. Um, I oh, mean, we, the, we didn't even talk about the guns. So. Yeah, we, well, I mean, I'm assuming there will be at least, you know, a lot. A bazillion. Um, <laughs> I, I hear that uh, there are multiple different words ending in alien that could be used to sum up the quantity <laughs> of guns. Um, We're running out of trees, and they're printing so many cards. We need more yeah, trees I mean, like, immediately. Are, are we going to see... I, I'm, I'm guessing we're going to see a lot of the same vendors and some of the same like weapon properties that we're used to seeing in games. Is that going to be a thing there, too? Are we going to see that that really awesome... Like Everyone has a favorite vendor, and everyone has a favorite kind of gun for those specialty reasons. Are we going to have those intact as well? So I will say the world of Pandora, uh, with an apostrophe in it, because uh, it's the fantasy version, has <laughs> guilds that will look similar to manufacturers that you know. Um, and their logos might clue you off as to what guild is what manufacturer. But they are subtly different. But they're all there. Awesome. I'm, I'm so excited for that. And I, I know you said that we're getting all those different classes. Um, 
and if you can't tell us much more, that's fine. I get it. But do, do you see some some future stuff coming as well? I, I know you said we're going to be covering a lot of stuff between the first two Borderlands games in there, but there's still a whole other at least two games out there um, with some really cool character designs and stuff. Um, do, do we think we might see anything like that in the future as well? Uh, I can't imagine that this will be the only Bunkers and Badasses product that will exist. <laughs> I can definitely hope it's not. I, I, I can't imagine either. Um, I'm certainly hoping it's not. Um, all I can say is one of my all-time favorite classes was the ridiculous doppelganger Jack from the pre-sequel. Um, and I would just love to see... I, I, I can't wait to see on, on paper how the mechanics of so many of these different classes that we're already used to can play out. And I'm really excited to see the future of it. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, so, uh, you know, again, I, 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 I thought we were wrapping it up, and then Johnny's like, "Hold on, I have these other like." Really oh, I good couldn't questions. help it, man. I've been, I've been like shaking with anxiety over just wanting more. Like, give this to me now, everyone that's just now hearing this. I'm jealous that they're just now hearing it. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, you know, again, thank all you, uh, you know, Ian, thanks for joining us again. Uh, thank every, you know, thank you to everyone that listened. Um, go find more content about this um, and see where you can pre-order uh, officially. Bunkers and Badasses. Uh, for Mammoth Games, Inc., uh, I'm Night Swarm. I'm Johnny Riot. Have a good one.